0: Welcome to another edition of Politics on Writing. I'm Humberto Willis. Today we are honored to have Arturo Dominguez. He's a prolific uh, writer and he is the founder and editor at the Antagonist magazine, among many others. Recently, Arturo was elevated to a leadership position at WEOC, Woke, Writers and Editors of Color. He is with us today to discuss many subjects, including his recent 1619 Project article. Arturo, I think this is the second or third, or maybe four times you've been here with Politics Done Right. It's a pleasure, as usual, to have you with us. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, man, happy to be here. Thanks for having me back.
0: Well, look, man, I tell you, um, you, you you you're the one who actually introduced me to woke uh, a group that I found quite interesting a group that I found uh, relaxing and I mean it just brought brought one spirit up why don't you before we get into the subject at hand tell us how you got involved with this particular group
1: well um with woke uh it was founded by you know two black women uh Teresa Price and uh Alison Gaines um and it was uh, more of a, a medium centered uh type of project or community. Um, I, I'm one of the first few that were invited in early on, um, you know, and I was in, at the time I was in search of some kind of community. Uh, I've been a member of, you know, writer groups that were uh, predominantly white. And and it's hard to, when you're doing anti-racism work and, and touching on things that, uh, you know, others don't normally touch on, they're uncomfortable. So being in a, in a, a, a group that was you know very anglo-centric uh, made it difficult uh, there's a lot of pushback I mean you know instantly get kicked out for no reason things like that so when I came across this and I, and it was very early on um, you know one of the editors at medium Adrian Gibbs who who's you know a member of the group she quickly supported it and then you know Quintessa got involved and you know la justice got involved with managing our case for the 1619 project and you know before long I found myself in a community that was welcoming to uh someone they consider of color but you know is white passing and um it it was it was interesting because I found myself in the group that was being run by black women and every one of them embraced me as their own and I I treat my, I, I treat everything, especially in black spaces, um, you know, treat it as, as being a guest, you know, uh, by having that mentality, I feel like you're not necessarily walking on eggshells, but you're more cautious about what you say. Um, it, I think if white people took that same approach and and were, came from a place of more asking questions as opposed to pushing, you know, beliefs or whatever on people, then, We could probably move further. So I found that in this community. Um, I found a willingness from a lot of writers that were anti-racism writers that were willing to put the stuff out there to try to make a difference, not just talk about it, but potentially offer solutions to problems. And I, I found that uh, a big selling point for me.
0: Well, I can tell you, just based on the adoration that folks have for you in that group, uh, you you are not a guest, man. You are, you are the group. And in fact, you were one of the first that they asked to, as they did some restructuring, to ask to become a part of the leadership of that group. So congratulations about that. Thank you, um, thank you. One of the ways that I really got involved with you is when you uh, addressed the black latino issue in other words some of right. them, and you took a whole lot of flack from maybe passing latinos as you just um mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. well passing white latinos as you kind of made and, and you took a lot of flack for it it's not the subject of today's discussion but why don't you tell us a little bit about that because what i always say about you is you've got some pelotas dude
1: yeah um <laughs> i appreciate that I,
0: I attribute my pelotas
1: to uh you know my upbringing man in jersey uh you know in the you know seventies and eighties, it wasn't pretty it was tough and uh so yeah i I took that approach um you know when it comes to the backlash you know i'm I'm a pushback kind of guy, you know, everybody wants to take the approach of just stop uh you know don't interact with anybody, you know stop just just let it go, let it die down, but the problem is the more you ignore it the the more the bigger the fire gets and uh it, it doesn't die down and you know i'm not gonna sit here and denounce cancel culture and, culture and all that stuff is it, it is what it is you know call it what you want but to me i, I call it consequence culture but you know you say you say you say racist things you're gonna pay for it you know right. so but uh the backlash i got i, I still get it i still get backlash uh um, yeah, because that article it, it, went viral right and and i mean if you look at uh, uh at the Latino Rebels page right now and you open an article or you scroll to the bottom of the main page, um, mine is still top five trending and that's been a a year and a couple months now. Right. So uh, people are still reading it. People are still clicking from there to the tweets that are highlighted in the article, which are my tweets. And, you know, I still catch some heat here and there. I got one guy who he read like the first paragraph. And then wrote a rebuttal calling me racist and all this stuff. And he's never read my work. He admitted he didn't read the article. But, man, every Friday, like clockwork, he's trolling me. And I laugh. And I and I troll him right back. I don't, you know, I don't play around. Like, you know, I don't block people. I don't, you know, people threaten me. Like, it, because of that article, I had people trying to dox me and uh and i could i could tell that's what they were doing and i told them look dude, dox me don't dox me you want me to give you my address i'll give you my address
0: but it's not like they I can't want... find it i've been doxed so many right. times it ain't funny you know right
1: and you know and what i tell people that threaten me i tell them come on you know like come to my house because you know you might think i'm some fragile liberal or whatever but i probably have more guns than you so you know what I mean like <laughs> and that's what I tell people I'm like go ahead dude I dare you I'm waiting for you to come to my door okay so just come come welcome, yeah, I mean they, these
0: come. guys are generally just mouthpieces you and I so every right. now and then you have the crazy right. that really goes through with these things yeah and I think yeah, that yeah. you just have to be always watchful and 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 whether you're a writer or not you always have to be watchful now tell me a little bit about uh at woke, you you are part of the 1619 project submission of articles. And I you submitted a recent article with respect to Latinos and 1619. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Okay, well, uh our, our 1619 project, uh just to clarify, is is not the same as the Nicole Hannah Jones and the New York Times um 1619 project. Our project is focused on making the case for the 1619 project so one of the main categories that we we have it broken down into five different categories I can't name them off the top of my head but for the sake of this one um like my piece was focused on addressing criticisms and um most of the stuff that I read went after a lot of the white um academics who basically teamed up you know and Wrote a scathing op-ed to the New York Times, you know, adre- claiming all these errors, this, that, and the other, um, you know, not differentiating the fact that the 1619 Project from the New York Times is more of a journalistic piece than it is a historical piece, right? And the idea of the 1619 Project is to frame the narrative of what built the U.S., right, beginning with that day, that,
0: that 16, 1619, 19, yeah.
1: Poor, poor comfort, right? Like we all know that part that day. And a lot of the arguments from the Latino community came from uh, a lot of Afro Latinos that were, um, their their argument was that history, Black history in the United States started prior to 1619. And while that's true to a to a degree, none of those you know, the the Spaniards landing in in St. Augustine in the 1500s, right? Way before 1619. That didn't affect how the United States was built. It didn't, it it happened. Nobody's denying it happened. But the 1619 Project's focus is from that day in Port Comfort is how um, today's um, uh, American capitalist society lives. And we all know that the capitalism in the United States can only thrive on exploited labor. Mm -hmm. And without, without the slave labor force, you have, you know, what I've heard people refer to as wage slaves, which is basically, you know, you've got all these Latinos working the fields, harvesting food, feeding the nation. And they're not only being paid dirt, but they're being treated like dirt. They live in, you know, squalid conditions, things like that. So it, it, the 1619 Project acknowledges those little things. So my my piece was focused on clapping back on those that, that were really, they really went after Nicole Hannah-Jones and the 1619 Project. And I thought it was un- unfair. And I also thought it was in bad faith. I, th- I thought the arguments were disingenuous um, because they failed to read just the main entry point to the 1619 Project. Which essentially discusses that it's a living document. You know, it's it may have some errors and and you know, there may be a few things missing here and there, but for the sake of of uh of focusing on the U on, on US history and what it's become today, that that's what they're missing. You see, they're not they're let they're, me ask
0: they're you vocal- something, because you you, you you I think I think you in, in, in stating that, in, in one of the statements that you just made, I think you may have uh, co-opted to saying there were, a lo- there were, in fact, some errors in the 1619 project as written by Hannah Jones. R- is that really the case, or is just the who tells the history that, that really makes these errors errors?
1: I, you know, I honestly think it's a little of both. There were um, a couple of errors, and it was really just you know like for context they needed to add a word here or something like that you know and these were corrected
0: at the new york times right
1: right these were corrected and addressed you know for journalistic integrity Mm -hmm. that the edits were made that was brought to their attention but when you read if you just focus on the one scathing op-ed that was published at the new york times and and they addressed it directly which i commend them for They even gave those guys space to talk their trash. But if you read that, I think that that's more focused on, I feel like it's more focused on who's telling the history.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's what what I wanted to get at. Because I think too often, you know, even the parts of history that one interprets, you know, it's it it is subject to interpretation. You know, um, right, the right. The, 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 Pilgr- the 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 Americans commit genocide in in America or not? Yes, they they would say, well, they attacked us, and we'll say, well, you took their land. That's it. gen. That's gen. You know, so it's a, a matter All of who right. tells the story. Anyhow, so I mean, um, now, do you think that the Latinos, the Afro Latinos, that came against Anna Jones uh, on, on these articles? were uh pretty much used uh wanted you know or, or um because we always have that problem right in a, a you you get a, a a um candace owen uh or a this new guy that wrote a book about uh wokeness or whatever it is he wrote about i can't remember his name right now are right. these guys just being used for their hue for their color Uh, as a as a weapon as a person that that they can say look even this guy thinks you're wrong you know
1: i know i know a lot of people pointed to that i don't i I can't say that the motivations of some of the the um afro-latinos and some you know from the academic community and stuff too um i can't say that their motivations were um any anything like that but but i do know that you you saw a lot of people point to these individuals and say look here's you know somebody else that said, that disagrees with it too and they're black you know and uh, again you're they're failing to realize the difference between you know being an afro latino and being black in america you know there's there's a big cultural divide there you know like in my article i i mentioned how certain religions from you know central and western africa uh still live and still thrive in in Latin America all over the mm-hmm. place from Cuba to Colombia well in the US aside from like areas in Louisiana they there's no that identity's not there there's no
0: history of that santeria right. and all these other right. things you know it,
1: it's all wiped out so um so the black community that's why they're black and they're not you know you know congolese or 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 what have you it's because all of that stuff was erased Right, So, you know, for for Afro-Latinos, like in Cuba, there's, you know, direct connections to parts of Western Africa and things, and they celebrate that. And, you know, people don't realize it, but, you know, Cuba's a majority, you know, Black Black. and...
0: Cuba, Brazil, and several other Latin American countries. Yeah, Caribbean countries. Yeah. Right. They're predominantly
1: Black. and, And so, and they understand where, you know, they came from. They understand that how their religions eventually mixed with Catholicism. That's how you got Santeria. And, and I mean, you know, again, Santeria was born of, you know, Western African spiritualism and, you know, blended with a little bit of Catholicism because, you know, that's what the slaves had to do to make it acceptable to the priests They had to inject a piece of Catholicism so that, you know, the priests would like, cool, you're worshiping Jesus, you know, fine. Right. And, and that that's how those religions were born. You don't have that here in the U.S. and you know that's why I feel like I don't know. Uh, Allison one day re- mentioned me, mentioned me being pro-black, and I've never considered Explain myself. Explain who Allison pro-black. is first. with the audience. I- Allison, Allison is one of the founders of Writers and Editors of Color. Allison Gaines, and we were we were in a chat one day. You know, just I don't remember what we were discussing, but she mentioned that I was, you know, pro-black Latino writer, and I never saw myself that way, but. Once she mentioned it, I kind of it kind of opened up like another door where I was looking at my work from that light. And I thought, you know, I guess I am a pro-Black well, I mean, writer, because I mean, at the end of the day, when I ended my 1619 Project article and I have it pulled up, but I, I said at the end, of the, at the very end. I said, you know, because without Black people, the American dream wouldn't exist. In a sense, everyone owes them for that, even right. immigrants even the immigrants and afro latinos so, even the afro
0: latinos exactly
1: right 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 so yeah that, and that's kind of how i feel about it. and and I get, from that aspect being that we owe them first and we owe the indigenous people first before anybody else and if you look at it from that perspective then
0: you you can begin to understand you know why we need to uplift them first well you know you call it uh, maybe Alison calls it pro-black. I, I, I find you to be a, a writer, an author that actually just goes out there and tells things the way they need to be told. Because again, too often, uh, and, and again, and you upset folk in every in just about every single group. So I mean, I, um, it's like you're an equal opportunity offender. You know, Latinos, Blacks, Whites, everybody. You know, and that that yes. is the that is the art. Uh, that shows an art form from a writer who really means what they're talking about and one should take seriously. Well, last question here as we come close to the end. Um, uh, uh, congratulations again for uh, your ascendance at woke, and I don't, I, I won't call you pro black. I'll just call you pro humane. And uh, and 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 secondly, I last question is always what would you have liked me to ask you you know you've been with me before so you know that question is yeah. coming why would you have what would you have liked me to ask you that i didn't
1: um you know and i, I don't know why i'm never prepared for this one. um <laughs> because you know i wanted to discuss you know uh you know the writers and editors of color group um we did article but yeah you know it, it's a it's an interesting i, I like it because you know, in the Writers and Editors of Color Group, we do a lot of things, a lot of projects, Um, like we do the Black History 365 project, which, you know, we write about little known uh, Black history, you know, throughout the year. It doesn't have to just be, you know, Black History Month. Um, You know, the case for the 1619 project has been pretty exciting. You know, we get, we've gotten the attention of Nicole Hannah-Jones. You know, she retweeted uh, my article and you know, I have to give her credit because I think it was because of her that it blew up because um there was a lot of talk in the black community and, and on black Twitter and in black spaces about my article and most of it was positive. Um, you know, and a lot of people were surprised that any Latinos even spoke out against the sixteen nineteen project because you know, it's it a lot of things in the Latino community stay in the Latino community. It's weird like that. But uh so yeah, I mean I, I really enjoyed the project, I enjoy the, the, the community, um, and growing the community, it's a lot of fun, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if I, if, if I could think of what you didn't ask me about, because we did do the white Latinos thing, but, um, I guess maybe about, you know, police accountability, you know, because I do a lot of that, um, you know, cops hate me too, but, you know, I also have a lot more cop friends than I ever had before, so, <laughs> So a lot of the things I write about apparently resonate with cops. So, you know, there's that. And, and it's all about basically anything racial justice and the intersection of politics and race. That's that's where I live, you know.
0: Well, let me tell you, Arturo, you will be back. There's so much more that you have to talk to us about. Uh, yeah. It was my pleasure having you, Arturo Dominguez. The All right. editor and founder of the Antagonist magazine and recently elevated to leadership of the writers, of, uh, writers and editor of color. Thank you so kindly for having been with Politics and Right.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Alberto.